This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. Christo, welcome to the New Blue Review. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Benji, and good morning to the listeners. Thank you very much for having me on. So first of all, for people who don't know, don't understand, what has actually been going on for the last uh, what is it, 25 years uh, odd between between China and Hong Kong. So it's of course, uh, 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 oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A difficult history uh, between China and Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong, of course, being a former colonial territory of Britain, um, and then there were various iterations of agreements and things of that like between Britain and China that China would have, I guess authority in a very loose sense of the word over Hong Kong, but Hong Kong would still be in some ways independent and not subject to all the the regulations and the laws um, and the oversight of the Chinese Communist Party that, of course, uh, rules China with uh, what many would call an iron fist. They have adopted some more pro-market reforms, but politically things are still very much tightly controlled and free speech is strongly curtailed. So, in the last two weeks, China introduced a new, what they call a security law. And uh, the long and the short of it is that it very much strengthens Chinese control over Hong Kong, over the citizens of Hong Kong. It restricts their ability to protest uh, the actions of the Chinese government. It restricts their free speech. And it further um, undermines the economic freedom that they had. Uh, Hong Kong, of course, stands out as one of the territories in the world, on the globe, that adopted economic freedom very strongly. And we saw the effects of the adoption of those policies where Hong Kong has been pushing the envelope in terms of growth and progress and innovation for many years. So, yeah, in a nutshell, this new law makes it easier for the Chinese government to intervene in Hong Kong affairs. And indeed, it exposes um, foreign critics of the Chinese government to possible uh, legal ramifications. If you are critical of the Chinese government here in South Africa and you travel to or through Hong Kong, uh, this new law makes it possible for the Chinese government to perhaps uh, take you from Hong Kong over to Beijing and uh, ask you a a few questions and keep you there for a while. So the the ramifications for civil liberties, I think, are, are grave. So there has been some resistance up to this point on the, the issue of this law. Um, there were the umbrella protests uh, for, that we still saw uh, and a number of other protests earlier uh, in, uh, if it was this year or late last year. Uh, does it look as though that those protests have not in, eventually had any effect uh, on on the situation? Yeah, so I guess it's one of those questions where, you know, you – where there are very good reasons for the protests, but then you wonder in doing the protests that the, the protesters, um, sort of egg on the, the Chinese government to be stricter and to impose more harsh regulations. The, the protests, as you pointed out last year and earlier this year, you know, it was massive. The photos of the millions of people in Hong Kong gathering and protesting the various uh, oversights and abuses of the both the Hong Kong government and the Chinese government, I think that sort of sent a, a strong signal to the Chinese government that they felt maybe they needed to react very strongly. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, you could say maybe there could have been better ways to do protest, but of course, you know, we aren't exactly in their position ourselves. So it's difficult for us to say from the, the outsider's perspective, I think every, everyone around the world uh, 
maybe takes for granted that they have a right to protest against the actions of their government. Um, and now that the Chinese are undermining Hong Kong's ability to do such protests, you know, it's simply going to be very difficult for them to continue doing so. I'm sure we'll see many formerly very outspoken um, Hong Kong dissidents and critics of the Chinese government perhaps leaving Hong Kong now um, because the law makes it very easy, of course, for for China to extradite any of those critics. Uh, I don't know if the I don't know that the United Kingdom has now reached out to uh, the people of Hong Kong and is taking steps to make it easy for them to to move to the UK. So I think that's a good sign, at least. Because the UK does have kind of special responsibility here because supposedly the freedoms that Hong Kong enjoyed uh, under British rule uh, were were to stay in place for something like 50 years. Uh, but but it's only been um, a, a relatively short time before China has started moving in. And it, but it's not like uh, Britain is going to take some sort of military response here. No, correct. Um, and I suppose then you get into questions of interventionism and military action where, uh, you know, the Western, the so-called Western powers that we normally associate, you know, with the UK and the US, uh, maybe you can count Germany and France in there as well. Um, do they, is there a moral obligation on them to pursue military, mili- the, the course of military action and military intervention or can they only, I guess, adopt political measures, maybe sanctions? Um, as I mentioned, giving asylum to the people of Hong Kong to make it easier for them to move there. I guess the UK and the US have their own concerns with, with China to keep in mind. And of course, we know about the trade war, the ever going trade war between China and the US. So, I mean, personally, this is just my personal opinion, of course, not speaking on behalf of the FMF or anyone else. I would like to see stronger noises, at least from the US, uh, against China that this sort of thing will not stand, but I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to get that anytime soon. Now, China has been slowly but surely gobbling up bits of the globe over time. They took over Tibet in the 50s. Uh, there's serious questions about them uh, taking over territory in, in the South China Seas. You've got this issue of Hong Kong. We've seen border issues between the Chinese and the Indians. Uh, China seems to be on somewhat of a march when it comes to territorial acquisition and just general strengthening of their position as a a power uh, in the world at the moment. No, of course. And I think they very much see themselves as perhaps the the next global power to take over after the so-called American century when the U.S. has been dominant even before the world wars, but most assuredly after that when the U.S. um, sort of stood out as as the major power, even though the Soviet Union opposed them, of course, the Soviet Union was always going to collapse because of its own internal contradictions and trying to to pursue a system of hard communism. Um, yeah, I think China, they're, of course, trying to pursue their own interests, as I think every country tries to do. That's simply the norm. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone. Every country wants to project its own power, as it were. And I think... It's up to each country that China interacts with to decide for themselves and for their citizens how they want to, I guess, treat that relationship. Of course, uh, working with China and trading with them comes with great benefits because of the resources they have and the capacity they have in terms of manufacturing and such. So that's a great appeal uh, in terms of what they can give one's country. But then you have to figure out 
I guess, how much are you willing to engage with them and give them, as it were? Um, how much control are you willing to give them? I know for many African countries, they they would prefer not to, uh, I guess, get aid from Western powers anymore, so they're looking towards the East. Um, but they need to keep in mind the, the political measures that the Chinese government adopts against their own citizens. Uh, political speech is very much controlled. Uh, I don't think there's anything really resembling free speech, at least not sort of free speech we would uh, expect and demand from our government. Um, so you need to decide, I guess, and weigh up these these pros and cons because, yeah, if you if you go too far along with it, at the end of the day, things might be taken from you or out from underneath you without your your expressed knowledge. We're talking to Chris Hatton today from the Free Market Foundation. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Schulman. 101.9 Chai FM. Speaking to Christo Hatting today from the Free Market Foundation. He's a project manager there. Christo, tell us about our role as South Africans in this. You know, we have had this issue with China already in terms of the Dalai Lama being able to visit. But in some ways, the Chinese are not as active here in South Africa as they are perhaps in other parts of the continent. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point, Benji. I think that you make that it's not maybe as yeah maybe it's not as obvious what they're doing in South Africa than in other countries. I'm sure that they're in constant discussions and, and the like with the, the South African government. Of course, the government has approached um, international uh, monetary funds, especially the IMF and the World Bank, for aid, given our economy is doing so badly and was doing so badly before the COVID nineteen lockdown, and we need more foreign aid now to sort of boost economic growth, as it were. Um, I think given South Africa's history of oppression and uh, and civil rights abuses, especially for black South Africans and South Africans of different of a different color, um, I think it's important that we keep in mind where we come from and perhaps a responsibility we have to speak out when other people's rights are abused around the world. I like to think that any infringement on freedom or liberty anywhere in the world infringes on everyone else's freedom. So I think it's it's important to to keep in mind what the Chinese government is doing in places like Hong Kong, as you mentioned about the Dalai Lama uh, as well, and that we speak out when we hear about and see civil rights abuses. These things are are not to be taken for granted, of course, throughout the history of the world. Many different peoples have found their rights and their freedoms uh, curtailed and in some cases removed. And it's, it's a, in some cases, it's a progressive uh, event, as it were. It, it happens over time, but it happens in small steps. So you should, you should resist and speak out in, at any attempt, no matter how big or how small it is, because it sort of snowballs and builds up over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, we can all play our part in doing that. Um, I, what I'll do is uh, when the when the podcast of of Christo's discussion with me is up, uh, I, I'll also make sure uh, that um, uh, I send uh, his his article, which is well worth reading, about China uh, to um, to the Chaifen Facebook page, and you can see it on my Facebook page, Benji Shulman Media, as well. Uh, so I'll be posting that and, and read it and have a look and and understand what actually is going on. China and Hong Kong, and uh, and it's just general uh, world ambitions uh, overall. Christo, thank you so much for joining us on the new Blue Review and bringing us uh, insights from uh, the Free Market Foundation. 
Oh, thank you, Benji. Thanks. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you.